You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Cozy Bear breaches Hewlett-Packard Enterprise. An investigation reveals global surveillance based on digital advertising. Cisco patches critical vulnerabilities. Meta aims to enhance the online safety of miners. iOS notifications are exploited for tracking. Equilens systems go offline after a cyber attack. A DC theater faced financial crisis after seeing their bank account drained. Critical infrastructure is targeted in Ukraine. The latest insights on ransomware. Our guest, Lance Hood, joins us from TransUnion to show how fraud attacks on financial industry call centers are rising. And Teslas get pwned in Tokyo. It's Thursday, January 25th, 2024. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. Thank you for joining us today. It is great to have you here. Hewlett-Packard Enterprise disclosed to the SEC that they suffered a data breach by Russia's Cozy Bear, also known as Midnight Blizzard or APT-29. The breach was reported on December 12th and involved unauthorized access to HPE's cloud-based email environment starting from May 2023. Cozy Bear is linked to Russia's Foreign Intelligence Service and has been responsible for significant cyber attacks, including the 2020 Solar Winds hack and the 2016 Democratic National Committee attack. HPE initiated an immediate response with external cybersecurity experts to investigate, contain, and remediate the incident. The attackers targeted a small number of HPE mailboxes across various company functions. The company believes this incident is connected to a previous unauthorized access in June of 2023, involving a limited number of SharePoint files. Despite the breach, HPE reported no material impact on their operations or financial condition. They are continuing their investigation in collaboration with law enforcement and plan to notify affected individuals. This breach follows a similar incident at Microsoft, where Cozy Bear hacked senior leaders' email accounts starting in November of 2023. 
An investigation led by Joseph Cox at 404 Media has revealed that hundreds of thousands of common apps, including 9Gag, Kick, and various caller ID apps, are part of a global surveillance system. This system begins with in-app ads and culminates in a mass monitoring tool called Patterns. That's Patterns with a trailing Z, which is marketed to national security agencies. Patterns can track users' locations, hobbies, family members, and build extensive profiles. The surveillance capability stems from the real-time bidding data supply chain in digital advertising, involving both small ad firms and giants like Google. Patterns, created as a homeland security platform, can gather detailed information about individuals from app data, including GPS coordinates, app usage, phone type, and even the individual's interests. This tool monitors on a massive scale, processing over 90 terabytes of data daily from about 600,000 apps. Unlike traditional app tracking, Patterns does not require direct involvement from app developers. Instead, it operates through ad networks and platforms integrated into the apps. Google and Pubmatic have severed ties with the company linked to Patterns, following queries from 404 Media. Despite this, the investigation raises significant concerns about the misuse of advertising technology for government surveillance and the lack of oversight in data sharing within the real-time bidding ecosystem. Cisco has released patches for a critical vulnerability in several of its Unified Communications and Contact Center Solutions products, This flaw arises from improper processing of user-provided data, which can lead to arbitrary command execution with web services' user privileges. Attackers exploiting this vulnerability could potentially gain root access to devices. Meta is implementing new measures it claims will enhance the online safety of minors on Instagram and Facebook Messenger, The updates will automatically restrict users under 16 or under 18 in certain regions from receiving messages or being added to group chats by individuals they don't follow or aren't connected with. These rules apply to all users, regardless of age, expanding beyond the previous limitations that only affected adults over 19. Instagram will notify users about these changes through a message in their feed. Additionally, Meta is enhancing parental supervision tools on Instagram. Parents will now have to approve or deny their child's request to change safety and privacy settings, giving them direct control over whether their child can switch their profile from private to public. Furthermore, Meta is developing a feature to shield users from receiving unwanted or inappropriate images and messages, even in encrypted chats. This feature aims to protect users from such content from people they are already connected with and discourage senders from sharing this kind of material. While there's no set launch date, more details are expected later this year. Security researcher Tommy Misk has revealed that several popular iOS apps, including TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Bing, are covertly using iPhone push notifications to send data about users. These apps are using the short background execution time allowed for notification customization to transmit analytics information. This practice bypasses iOS's usual limitations on background app activities, 
which are in place to protect user privacy and optimize device performance. The data sent includes unique device information for fingerprinting, a technique for creating user-specific identifiers based on hardware and software configurations. This identifier can track user activities across different apps for purposes like targeted advertising. Apple, which traditionally opposes fingerprinting, plans to require developers to justify their need for access to APIs commonly used for this purpose in an upcoming release. Equilend, a financial technology firm established by major global financial institutions, has experienced a cyber attack, leading to several of its systems going offline. The company, which plays a key role in the securities finance industry with its NGT platform, handling over $2.4 trillion in transactions monthly, identified the issue on January 22nd and later confirmed it as a cyber attack. Immediate steps were taken to secure systems and efforts to restore services are ongoing, with external cybersecurity firms assisting in the investigation and recovery. Clients have been informed that the recovery process may take several days. During this downtime, financial institutions may need to resort to manual processes. The Gala Hispanic Theater in northwest Washington, D.C. faced a financial crisis after hackers drained its bank account on January 11th, stealing over $250,000. The cyber attack severely impacted the theater's operations, leaving them unable to pay their artists and crew. The recovery process for the stolen funds was expected to be lengthy, with the theater's bank indicating it could take up to eight months. However, following widespread media coverage, the theater's bank has agreed to restore access to their funds. Turning to Russia's war on Ukraine, several state-owned Ukrainian critical infrastructure companies, including the National Postal Service provider, Ukraine's largest state-owned oil and gas company, and the State Railway, have reported cyber attacks on their systems. The National Cyber Army, a Russian group of cyber volunteers, claimed responsibility for an attack on Ukraine's Transportation Safety Agency, but did not mention the other incidents. This wave of cyber attacks follows recent attacks on Ukraine's online bank Monobank and the largest telecom operator Kyivstar, both attributed to Russian state-sponsored hackers. The aim of these attacks appears to be causing disruption, psychological impact, and intelligence gathering. The ransomware threat landscape is detailed in a report by the Symantec Threat Hunter team. The report notes a pivotal shift in attack strategies, with cybercriminals now favoring the exploitation of vulnerabilities in public-facing applications over using botnets. Additionally, there's a growing trend of attackers using legitimate software and operating system features, particularly within the Windows environment, employing tools like PSExec, PowerShell, and WMI. This living-off-the-land technique is complemented by the introduction of remote desktop and administration software into targeted networks. Notably, the Snakefly Group, also known as CLOP, has showcased a novel extortion approach by exploiting zero-day vulnerabilities in enterprise software to simultaneously attack multiple organizations. Staying with ransomware, a study led by Tom Muirs from the University of Twente, which analyzed ransomware attacks in the Netherlands from 2019 to 2022, 
found several key factors that influence whether a company is likely to pay the ransom. The study found that companies working with third-party incident response firms were more inclined to pay ransoms, with a significantly higher likelihood compared to those that only reported incidents to the police. Additionally, companies with insurance coverage tended to pay substantially higher ransoms, potentially due to the moral hazard posed by insurance. Interestingly, companies with data backups were less likely to pay, but when they did, their payments were higher than those without backups. This trend suggests that companies with valuable data are more prepared for cyber attacks, yet face higher ransom demands. The study also observed that companies are more likely to pay ransoms in cases of data exfiltration, with these payments being considerably higher. Furthermore, IT companies, despite having higher rates of backups, were identified as lucrative targets for ransomware actors due to their critical role and the cascading impact of attacks on their clients. Coming up after the break, our guest Lance Hood joins us from TransUnion to share how fraud attacks on financial industry call centers are rising. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. A report from TransUnion featured findings from their recent 2023 State of Omnichannel Authentication Survey of call center organizations, aiming to help organizational leaders across industries apply authentication to improve customer experience and fraud mitigation. Lance Hood is Senior Director of Authentication at TransUnion. 
Well, I think that um, there is generally uh, not as much recognition of the role that call centers play within the overall fraud landscape uh, as a uh, really the source for many account takeover attempts uh, at your bank or at your gaming site. And part of the goal of the study is to really raise the visibility of both the risk that call centers represent and also uh, some of the trends in how fraudsters are attacking organizations through call centers and how organizations are, are looking to uh, mitigate those uh, attacks. Well, let's dig into some of the details here. I mean, what, what are some of the things from the report that caught your eye? Well, I think one of the most important things is that uh, most organizations are still continuing to use relatively weak technologies to try to protect call centers. And the most common technology, and it might even be a stretch to call a technology, is interrogating people by asking them questions. And you've probably all been through that experience of, you know, what's your, um, you know, favorite uh, pet and that type of thing. And that approach is just inherently weak because criminals are able to get the answers to most of these questions, either through just scanning your social networking site, where a lot of that personal information can be harvested, or um, there have been a number of data hacks. There are thousands of data hacks every year that end up distributing um, your financial information under the dark web. So fraudsters can get answers to many of these types of questions, and yet, uh, according to the survey, still about two-thirds of organizations are only using this approach called knowledge-based authentication to try to authenticate and determine someone is who they claim to be. Do you have any sense for, for what's holding them back from using more secure methods? Well, I think that there has been a trend over the past you know, five to 10 years of looking at the digital channels as the primary threat uh, that needs to be protected. And so there's been a lot of investment into different technologies to improve authentication and risk assessment in the digital channel, such as the website or your mobile phone. There just has not been as much investment made in call centers. And uh, that has been exploited by uh, criminals. And um, the organization, many feel, uh, it, it, and the survey reflects this, that call centers are really the main source of where account takeover fraud starts now. So fraudsters are exploiting that lack of investment. Call centers are just not, as we would say, hardened against fraud as strongly as the digital channels. So they take advantage of that. And it's, it's particularly challenging because call centers are staffed by humans. And humans ultimately don't execute their role as well as software code does in the digital channel. And humans are often, um, someone explained to me once, uh, people in call centers have the helping gene. They want to help. And that makes it easy to manipulate them, what's called social engineering, in order to get them to do things they maybe shouldn't do in order to try to help out, such as maybe resetting the password on an account or changing the phone number on an account, uh, even though that may not be the policy. So that human element uh, makes uh, call centers very attractive for the fraudsters. Are there any particular sectors that they're targeting here specifically? Did any, any organizations get hit more than others? Well, I think it all depends on the value of the asset that the account is protecting. So certainly um, the uh, organizations that are in the financial services area, banks, I know, credit card companies, wealth management companies, are much more attuned to those risks. 
and they tend to have adopted some of the technologies that can protect call centers more rapidly than some of the other segments have. But it is important to note that you know fraudsters are are clever. They almost have a networking approach sometimes uh, to these account takeovers. So they may attack a life insurance company or a health insurance company in order to gather personal information about an intended victim and then use that information to actually take over that victim's account at their bank or their credit union. It's important for all sectors that either have valuable data or protecting valuable assets to really be conscious of the uh, vulnerability they may have within their call centers. Help me understand here. I mean, is what I'm hearing that you know, let's say I'm a consumer and, and I'm I'm doing business with a company that has a call center that I may have put the effort into securing things on my mobile phone or the ways that I interact with them online, but that call center could be hanging out there even if I don't use it, and it might be vulnerable for folks going after my accounts. That's absolutely right. And um, the fraudsters really kind of employ two different overall strategies. One strategy is to try to call into the call center directly and to basically social engineer, manipulate an, an agent into giving them access to an account. There's another rising trend that we see, which is they'll take those social engineering skills and they'll actually target them directly at the victim. And they will call the victim and claim that they're actually calling from their bank and that there are some unusual activity on their account. And before they can proceed to address that, they need to verify the, the authenticity of the person they've called, and they're going to send them a one-time passcode. But what they're actually doing in the background is they're either have a partner on a phone call with the call center, or they are on the website and they're about ready to trigger that step that we always see, we're going to send you that one-time passcode through a text message. So they'll trigger that, and even though that message says, we'll never call you and ask you for this number, the uh, victim is already stressed out thinking that their accounts have uh, been taken over. They'll read that number back to the fraudster. The fraudster will use that code to actually take over the account. So those social engineering skills that historically were really targeted agents are now actually being used to target much more vulnerable consumers of, of banks and other organizations. So what are the recommendations here based on the information that you all have gathered in this report here? Uh, what do you suggest? Well, I think that the current technologies, which relies, as I said, heavily on knowledge-based authentication needs to be replaced. And we need to look at other technologies to do that. Certainly one that uh, we think is, is very powerful is to look at the way phone calls are actually made into call centers in order to determine if that's really a legitimate caller calling in or potentially a fraudster. And the background of that really is that criminals, you know, they're motivated to steal something, but also they're motivated to not get caught. And that's why they will always seek to be anonymous and untraceable. So just as an example, if somebody robs a bank, they'll wear a mask into the bank in order to be uh, anonymous and they'll change the license plates on the getaway car to, to be untraceable. It turns out if you're trying to commit a crime by taking over someone's account at that same bank, you're going to want to make a phone call in a way that you're anonymous and untraceable. And so uh, criminals will do things like spoof phone numbers. They'll use a, a tool that you can download from the internet and fake the phone number that you're calling from. They'll use services like virtualized call services. Think of Google Voice or Skype, for example. These, these services, you can make phone calls from anywhere in the world on millions of different devices, so you basically can't get caught. 
And so if we look at how a phone call is being made, and we can actually inspect that phone call from the originating device into a call center to establish whether it's legitimate or not, and look at other factors, is it a virtualized service making that call? Is there identity data associated with that phone number? Again, all of us who've used our phone numbers for a long time, we will tend to associate that phone number with a lot of identity data. And if we examine for a phone number how much identity data is, guess what? Fraudsters almost always have zero. Nothing is attached to that phone number. So there are many things we can do in order to look at how the call is made into a call center to determine if it's being made in a trustworthy way, like a legitimate customer, or in a, in a, in a much more risky manner as a fraudster would do. So that's, and what's nice about that also is you can make that assessment as soon as the phone call is answered by an organization and therefore immediately understand whether you're dealing probably with a trustworthy call or a risky one. You can arm your agents accordingly to be more on guard for those risky callers. And correspondingly, if you have a trustworthy caller, give them a great experience. Reduce the amount of authentication friction they have to go through. Increase their permissions. Let them make the kind of transactions they want on their own. So give better treatment to legitimate callers and very quickly flag those risky callers for the fraud team to look at. That's Lance Hood from TransUnion. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And finally, at the Pwn to Own Automotive event, held alongside the Automotive World Conference in Tokyo, the Synactive team has taken a notable lead, earning $430,000 in the first two days with significant achievements in exploiting Tesla vehicles. On day one, they successfully hacked the Tesla modem, earning them $100,000, followed by another hundred grand on day two for breaching the Tesla infotainment system. Additionally, they secured $35,000 for exploiting automotive-grade Linux using a three-bug exploit chain. Other participants also earned notable rewards, though smaller in comparison, Successful exploits of Phoenix Contact, ChargePoint, Autel, and Juicebox EV chargers each garnered $30,000. Hacks involving the Alpine infotainment system and a particularly successful Autel EV charger exploit were awarded $20,000 each. Lower bounties, ranging from $10,000 to $15,000, were given for partially successful EV charger and infotainment exploits, especially those involving previously known vulnerabilities. The event's final day includes seven attempts to hack EV chargers and two infotainment system exploits. 
this inaugural automotive-focused pwn-to-own has already seen payouts exceeding $1 million in just its first two days. It goes to show that no matter how fast a Tesla may be, it still cannot outrun the speed of the Synactive hacking team. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire.